Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store for you. But before we get into today's conversation, I just want to take a moment and tell you about one of our amazing partners, BetterHelp. We talk all about therapy pretty regularly around here, and that's because I think it's super important for all of us to prioritize our mental and emotional health. If there are things going on that are causing you to feel stuck or that are interfering with your health and happiness, BetterHelp is here for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can connect with in a convenient, safe, and private online environment. I love that you can send your therapist a message anytime and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses and you can start communicating in 24 hours or less. You can schedule video or phone sessions as often as weekly. It really matters to the team at BetterHelp that they facilitate great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. I think that's really important. And the testimonials on their site provide a lot of insight into how it all works and how they are helping people just like us all over the world. BetterHelp has therapists specialized in so many different disciplines, which means they have someone who can help with exactly what you're facing. There are licensed professional counselors who specialize in things like depression or self-esteem, stress, grief, anxiety, family troubles, and more. It's not self-help and it's not a crisis hotline, but it is convenient, professional, affordable counseling and anything you share is completely confidential. I want you to start living a healthier life today. So as one of my friends, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Join over a million people, including a lot of our friends who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. It is a real honor to have Governor Bill Haslam on the podcast today. He's a former two-term mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, and a two-term governor of my state of Tennessee, reelected in 2014 with the largest victory margin of any gubernatorial election in Tennessee history. And during his tenure, Tennessee became the fastest improving state in the country in K-12 education and the first state to provide free community college or technical school for all its citizens. In addition to adding 475,000 net new jobs, Governor Haslam still serves on the boards of Teach for America and Young Life, which we will talk about. He and his wife, Chrissy, have been married for 38 years. They have three kids who I all, I like all three of them, Will, Annie, and Lee. They are just awesome. He had a book come out on Tuesday called Faithful Presence, The Promise and the Peril of Faith in the Public Square. I think you're really going to enjoy this book and this conversation. Conversation. It was a real honor to have him on. Here is my conversation with Governor Bill Haslam. Governor Haslam, thanks for being here. I'm so grateful. I can be Bill, though, I promise. <laughs> no, it's hard for me. Okay, you'll be Bill from now on, but okay. I want the world to know I tried with Governor Haslam. <laughs> the first time we met was at the Young Life Conference last year. I would love for you, to, can you start by just talking about what Young Life means to you? Well, I mean, it's a, you, I can't tell my story without it. I'm a, really? I'm a 16-year-old, uh, and Young Life started at my high school, and I literally there, there was a weekend retreat, and uh, a college kid who was a college student who was a leader talked me into going, literally, I was the last kid to get on the bus. Like, I had every excuse in the world that why I wasn't going to go, talked me into going, and I have no idea who was speaking, what they said, except I remember he said, Jesus is too important not to decide about. You can decide, yes, I'm good. I believe he's who he said he is and I'll follow him or no, but don't not decide. And that kind of mm. clicked with me and sitting on the steps at the gym at Windy Gap in uh, 1974, I uh, decided the best I could, I, the best I knew how I was going to try to follow Jesus at that point. So that started my story. And kind of continues. We go home, and three weeks later, my mom, who's a really young 42, uh, lays down to take a nap and never wakes up, has had a aortal aortal aneurysm. Uh, And so at that point in time, that community of people surrounded me. So from there, um, but was a leader in college in Atlanta. Uh, We share that together. Um, And uh, then came back, and Christy and I have just been involved ever since. And then 
most recently I'm on the National or International Board of Young Life, and I've yeah. loved that. It's like yeah. having a front row seat to what God's doing all over the world. And it's international. I mean, that's the wild all thing. All over the, all over the world. Yeah. And it's actually, I mean, more kids will go to Young Life Camp in Africa this summer than in the U.S. So that, that kind of puts that it in perspective. That is wild. Yeah. That gives me Pretty goosebumps. cool, right? Yeah, it's cool. That is wild. And Atlanta, did you go to Georgia Tech? No, I went to Emory. Okay. Ooh, I was about to I be know. like, we're going to have a real <laughs> problem, Bill. I don't know what to do. Who, who, Emory, who are, who are rivals with no one. Since, yeah, that's right. As we say, we're still undefeated in football. <laughs> yeah, I'm a University of Georgia grad, yeah. so I would have been, and I felt a little bamboozled that's to have right, a exactly. yellow jacket on my show. Exactly. Um, though I will happily do it at some point. <laughs> Man, that is, first of all, the decision is so pragmatic of, Jesus is too important not to decide what right, you think. Right, right. And so, but then only the Lord could have known the tragedy coming next and what right. would happen. Right. And again, it became part of my story. A lot of folks think, well, maybe that could have pushed you away. Like, why, why would this happen? But mm-hmm. for me, it was just kind of a recognition that life is way, is about way beyond, way more than what we see and yeah. what's in front of us and what the typical things a 16-year-old worries about. Right. Uh, as I was reading through your book, Faithful Presence, uh, I noticed when you talk about, you thought about being a pastor. Right. Your father started Pilot, the gas mm-hmm. stations, and so mm-hmm. there was an opportunity to work there. And then comes politics. A lot of our friends listening are deciding what to do with their right. lives, right? They're, right. It, maybe it's their first summer after college or... Or they are young families. Will you talk a little bit about that process of where Jesus played into deciding what to do with your life? Yeah, you know, my experience has been that God uses the things that have happened in your past to help prepare you for things in the future in ways that you might not have expected. So when you were teaching, I bet a lot of what you did teaching helps you in what you do now. Oh, but yes. you wouldn't have thought, oh, I'm going to teach so I, so I can be, you know, so that I can write and, and do wonderful podcasts. That wasn't part of the plan. I, I, when I went into business, I wasn't thinking, oh, this will really help me one day when I'm mayor or governor. But it really did. Understanding really? those, con- Well, it helped me understand how to hire good people and how to make budgets balance and how to make decisions, all those things. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have experienced when I when I did business. I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm doing this so that one day I'll be governor of Tennessee. Right, that never crossed my mind. Right. How often, as a governor, are you making fast decisions, and how often are you making slow uh, decisions? That's a great. That's a great question. Usually, the better decisions are the slow decisions, mm-hmm. and the nice thing is that you see them coming. The hard part of that is, by the, if they've gotten to your desk, they're they're not easy. Mm. Um, so somebody solved them a long time ago. Um, if they were easy, and by the time they get to you, they're not only complex, but uh, but they're public. And so you're trying to decide: wow. Are we going to put money in the budget for this? Am I going to give this person a pardon? Uh, what are we going to do about uh, health care coverage for people? Mm-hmm. They're um, they're big and usually there's a really good other side of the argument. Mm-hmm. Always, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. That's one of the things I loved about your book is you you never say Christians should stand here. Yeah. You you spend a lot of time saying, are you listening to both sides? I think that, I mean, one of the things that as Christians we know, right, is that we're broken, imperfect people, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of foundational, the whole Romans 3 idea of like all of sin and fall short, you know? So we know that. So if that's true, we know that, we could be wrong about this, our opinion on this issue. Now, I mean, if it's clearly biblical, it's that's not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. But there's, mm-hmm. a lot, I mean, Jesus tells us to feed the poor. He doesn't really tell us how to do that. Yeah. So um, I, my, my point in all that is it would be different if people, if believers entered the public square with humility. That's, that's what's missing. But we're yes. the ones called to be that. I mean, we know we're, we don't get it right. All. I mean, I haven't gotten it right 10 times between when I left my house and getting to your studio, okay? <laughs> and that was 20 minutes ago. Uh, and so I know that can be true about a lot of other things, too. When you think about public square versus politics, yeah. can you explain the difference? Because so much in the book you lean on saying public square. Well, I, 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 polit- I mean, to a lot of people, they say politics, and they think about what they see in campaign ads uh, and, uh, you know, the, 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 what they watch on TV that everybody clicks through. Mm-hmm. But I look at the public square as being that place where we come together to make those decisions that will affect us. So that's okay. true about everything from your local school board to, to how Congress is deciding, you know, laws of the country. And 
all of us, I think, are involved in the public square in mm-hmm. some way. And so I, I wanted to write a book that said, well, I'm never going to run for office, so thanks very much, Bill, but, you know, I don't, I don't really, that, that topic doesn't apply to me. But all of us have a, 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 a thought about how, how we make decisions on what governs us, and all of us have strong opinions. And mm-hmm. what I'm encouraging folks is, let, don't don't use this moment to say I, I don't want to play. You know, kind of yeah. a pox on the Republicans and Democrats. I've, I'm exhausted and confused by all of it. Instead, to say, you know, how do I enter the public square in a way that God would say, well done. Because one of the things you brought up that uh, it brought tears to my eyes when I was reading this, yeah. and it is page, it's on page 12. I wrote it down. Oh. <laughs> what a researcher. I <laughs> because you write about that verse in Jeremiah 29, 7. Right. It says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. So are we all called to the public square? Well, if you, if you think about this, remember the context. The Jeremiah is in Jerusalem, but the Israelites are in Babylon. They're mm-hmm. captive, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I always tell people, like, if I'm held captive and you write me, I hope you're writing saying, Bill, I'm coming to get you quick. Right. You know? I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we know it, you're in a horrible situation. Uh, but he writes them and says, plant gardens, marry your children, you know, have children, uh, you know, seek the welfare of the place I've called you. Mm-hmm. And I, so my, my point is, we're all supposed to seek the welfare of the places that mm-hmm. God's called us. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that happens is by who we elect to office. Yeah. Are we all supposed to be doing something in politics? No, well, it depends on again. Depends on how you define that. No, I don't think so. We, but I think we should all be engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. The, the way I, I, who we elect is way more important than I thought it was before I was mayor and governor. I saw yeah. like mayor this, of Knoxville, yeah, right, and then and, governor of Tennessee, right. And and what I saw is, you know, what happens in public policy can affect so many people in ways that you can't leverage that. You know, I can go pull all the philanthropists I want together, and it'd be hard for us to put together a, a program for everybody in Tennessee to go to community college for free. But we right. could do that as in, in, in office. So I use that as right. one little example of the difference you can make. So I do, would just encourage people, as discouraging as politics can look, yeah. don't just abandon the scene because we're supposed to care about the places where we're called. One of the things I feel like I learned really profoundly in the last couple of elections was how important our local yeah. Voting is that like if I want to see change, I, I mean, I get to pick who represents my like zip code. You got it. And unfortunately, in today's world, everybody gets their news from the national show. So mm-hmm. the cable on the left or cable on the right. And people just aren't paying that much attention to local. But this stuff matters. Like who you elect to your school, your former teacher, you know, yeah. who teaches your kids really matters. Yes. <laughs> and who's deciding how much they're getting paid. There you go. Really matters. There you go. And what days they have to go and what days they have off really matters. Keep going. And whether we're going to go to school during COVID or not. I mean, all, the, yeah. all that, like the whole philosophy is a big deal. And so I just would encourage people to say, you know, we're supposed to care about the common good as mm-hmm. believers, you know, more than just our neighborhood or our family and our friends. We're, we care about the common good. And one of the ways we can do well uh, in caring for the common good is to make certain that we elect great people. When you're looking at the world right now, especially as where we are in COVID, it's right. not over. I don't know that it ever ends at this point, but but you're watching a lot of governors in mayors have to make big decisions for a lot of people around COVID. What's some encouragement for us as we're watching our leaders do the best they can? I I would think this is, you've got to realize there's a lot, it's, it's, you're in a no-win situation a lot of that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, masks or no masks, you're going to have people, you know, encourage people to get vaccinated. You know, there are people, unfortunately, all this has become so political and polarized that you can't there, there's not a great decision where everybody's like, oh, that was so brilliant, Bill. Right. I can't believe you. How did you come up with that? There, that just doesn't exist. Yeah. And so I, I think what I do this is give people some grace. Mm. You know, we're people that understand truth and grace. Mm-hmm. And we should be people of both. Like, we want truth. We want the best answer. But we also realize, like, this is hard stuff. I, I'll give you an example. I was at the Every year, they the president, uh, no matter what party, asks all the governors and all the cabinet members um, to, and, and spouses to a, uh, a black tie dinner at the White House. And it's like <gasps> when the so United cool. States of America puts on the dog, this is how they, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. five courses. The Marine Band is playing as you come in the White House. It's kind of, you walk in for the first time, it kind of takes your breath away. Yeah. I mean, there's, In the book, you said it's uniquely American. It is. And so there's flowers. I mean, it's just yeah. gorgeous. And you're kind of wanting to gawk, but you realize, okay, don't. 
don't act like the, you know, don't act like the newbie from Tennessee. Yeah, here. Like, try to that's right. Pull, be keep, cool, be cool. Yeah, be, be really cool here. But you can't because everywhere you look, no. there's somebody, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, one of the years I'm I'm sitting next to a, a guy who had worked for President Obama for eight years, hardcore uh, Democrat. Uh, but I, I and they were near, the, it was their last year. And I said, well, what do you know now you wish you'd known eight years ago? And he mm-hmm. said, I wish I'd known how hard this is. He said, wow. I wouldn't have been so hard on President Bush. He said, don't get me wrong, I still don't agree with his policies, but this, it, the, the decisions are so complex and there's, there's always an argument for the other side. Wow. And so I, what I'd encourage uh, folks uh, that, that are your listeners is like, let's be people that give grace for hard decisions for our leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and when we feel like they're doing the wrong thing. When if it's I guess there's a question I would differentiate doing the wrong thing like clearly like that's that's injustice then we mm-hmm. need to uh, to speak up but I don't agree I have a different opinion then we can say we don't agree but also give them some grace that this this is hard. Do all the governors have each other's phone numbers? You do mostly. It all depends. Some of them you're really close to. I mean, I have some some folks, Republican and Democrats, who are great friends and literally would text back and forth, and others that I, I sort of knew, but not really. I would just imagine during COVID that there's a lot of like, hey, man, yeah. best of luck. Yeah. Like, I, I <laughs> hope you're all right. <laughs> it's that there is a whole, I mean, the, there is a shared, uh, I wouldn't say shared misery, but shared circumstances that, that's unique. Like, you, you realize, like, yeah, whatever we decide here, People aren't going to be jumping up and down cheering, so keep going. Hey, friends, one short break to give a shout-out to our amazing partners, Thrive Market. Being a member of Thrive Market makes my life so much easier. It's an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. I'm trying to be consistent with the amount of protein I eat, and they have these delicious beef snack sticks called Chomps that make an great little protein snack. And I can't get enough of the little pepperoni crisps. Y'all, I love them. But what really makes me love Thrive is I can get my healthy snacks delivered along with all my pantry staples and non-toxic cleaning supplies. With Thrive, you don't just get affordable, healthy foods and beauty products. You get the chance to give back to their Thrive Gives one-for-one matching program. Every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family. I love that. Thrive has an amazing selection of high-quality, healthy foods, and they make it easy to shop according to whatever eating plan you follow, like keto or gluten-free. They have over 70 dietary options. It's a one-stop shop for everything you need. Organic groceries, clean beauty, safe supplies, safe supplements, and non-toxic home goods. Join Thrive Market today to get $20 off your first order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com slash that sounds fun. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash that sounds fun. Enjoy guaranteed savings and member only prices. Thrive Market members save an average of $32 on every order. I saved enough on my last order to pay for the whole annual membership. You can't beat that. Thrive Market is good for you and the planet. Orders of $49 or more are shipped for free and delivered with carbon-neutral shipping from their zero-waste warehouses. Thrive Market now has two membership options. You can do a one-month membership for $9.95 per month or a 12-month membership for $5 a month that's billed at $59.95. And an exclusive new offer for my friends. If you join today, you get $20 off your first order and an exclusive free gift. Again, that's thrivemarket.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to my conversation with Governor Haslam. You talk about in the book the first time you saw an ad that was against yeah. you. <laughs> and and how it's such a funny story that Chrissy's saying, well, if I'd have known that's who you were, I wouldn't be sharing this house with you or something that's like right. that. <laughs> Does it help having the other governors, having other people that you can text and go, hey, I just saw a really terrible thing about me? It helped, but actually that helps because they can understand it. But the truth is, in a deal like that, it's actually your close friends that matter the most. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you get in the middle of a campaign, it's just, it's not fun, okay? It's just some people like it, but I didn't. But I, I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. But I had friends that I'd known forever who'd keep reminding me who I was and who I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's where you kind of come away going, okay, these folks still have my back. When I, I when one one of my very best friends was in the middle of one of the campaigns that was hard, and he he kind of saw me 
twisting a little bit and being yeah. anxious. And yeah. he said, can I come see you? I'm like, I'm really busy. He said, ah, I need to come see you. And so he came and said, you know that it's going to be okay, right? Mm. I said, wait, do you know what's going to happen in the election? He said, no, no, I have no idea. But regardless, it's going to be okay. And I needed a friend to tell me that. Yes. Keeping those people close. There you go. Right. Did you write this book, Faithful Presence, because you were going to run for president? I'm not. I think if you read the book, you'd see it's probably not the kind of book you'd write if you're running (laughs) for president. Well, I actually read the book and thought, I think he can run for president (laughs) even more now. You know, I really didn't. I wrote it because I'm like a lot of, I'm guessing you and like a whole lot of your listeners, like people are just kind of frustrated. and. The country's divided. We're not just divided. We're mad. And we're not just mad. We think the other side has bad motives. Like it's one thing thing for me to say you're wrong. It's another thing to say you're wrong and I can't believe. And it's nothing to say you're wrong and you're doing it for really bad reasons. To hurt me. Yeah. I mean, there's big word here, big words, but there's something called motivation, attribution, asymmetry, which is how much. I I had neither, okay, until (laughs) this. So that's... uh, uh, we learned those really big words at Emory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not in Georgia. Shocking. That was not my anyway, experience. the uh, what it means is how much I think your motives are are the wrong ones, and so mm. Republicans and Democrats, there the the asymmetry is greater than that between Israelis and Palestinians. To put wow. it in context, wow. so that, that's so. Anyway, I wrote it because I see people frustrated, and I think this like everybody's like, well, who's going to fix this? Yeah. Well, the media's not. That outrage is their business model. And the political parties aren't. That's their their job is to elect people. And mm-hmm. so, I think this is a chance for people who, who are believers to say maybe this is a chance for us to be salt. You know, to to stop the meat from going bad, yeah. Uh, yeah. or for us to be light in what feels like a really dark world. And you know, I always say when Jesus looks at a problem, he kind of starts with us. He doesn't. Mm. When the woman's dragged before people in adultery, he doesn't start with her. He starts with the religious types around yeah. her. Yeah. So. Let's start with us, ourselves, when we look at this problem. In the book, you talk a lot about meekness as yeah. we're talking about Jesus. Will you kind of talk about why Why is that what stood out to you when you were writing this book? I mean, it's throughout. Yeah, because people, you think uh, meekness won't work in politics, right? You think you're bringing a pillow to a knife fight, you know? Okay, that's, <laughs> right. that's This is just not a good idea. And, or that sounds nice, That's but those are kind of Sunday school rules. But I'd say a couple of things, you know, when Jesus says, blessed is the meek, um, he he means all of us in all cir- it should be all circumstances. We don't say in other things like you need to be ethical unless your business is is, in, is having a bad time and then it's okay. Right? You know, uh, we don't we say, you know, you need to obey the Ten Commandments or you need to honor your father and mother. You know, unless it's we, we just don't right. say those yeah. things. Okay, don't murder unless unless right. you're yeah, like yeah. really hungry. You right? Know, we we we, we don't <laughs> right. say those sort of things. And so, but somehow in politics, we've said. The rules are kind of off there. You can go mm-hmm. act like whatever you want to in, to win because the end justifies the means. Mm-hmm. And what my point is, I think meanness actually does work. I mean, that at the end, do we trust that God's ways work or not? And I also would point to, I can, I can show you lots of circumstances through history where people have reacted to meekness and said, that's actually really attractive and appealing to me. How do you define meekness? Meekness is a recognition, I think, that um, that we, we don't have all the answers, that mm. we're not the center of the world. Uh, meekness is not weakness. Okay, let's start there. It's not that because Jesus— It feels like that. It does, but it's—I mean, think about Jesus is blessed to the meek, but this is the same guy that goes in and turns over the tables in the temple mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, speaks some really—people talk about the kind and— loving Jesus, he's that. But there's some pretty harsh words in there too, right? And meekness is not weakness. Meekness is realizing, I think, two or three, I'd put it in these words, the world does not revolve around you. Um, You're capable of being wrong. Mm -hmm. And so there should be a humility that's part of of who you are. I mean, you know, I, I would argue this, as Christians, where we've messed up the most in the public square is nobody thinks of us as humble. Oh my gosh, at all. And, you know, you know, and sorry, I mean, James talks about well, what's real wisdom? He says, real wisdom is pure, peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mar- uh, mercy, it's impartial mm-hmm. and sincere. And so I said, wow. describe Christians in politics. Are they, uh, are they open to reason? Are they uh, impartial? Or are they full of mercy and sincere? And most people would go, no, that's, no, that's right. really not. Uh, but 
again, we don't we don't get a buy for politics. Mm-hmm. And the problem is to to me, I feel like at times where I choose meekness is when people get the most angry at me. When I choose not to take a hard stand and get yeah. really loud, when I instead I'm like, hey, I'm trying to listen, I'm trying to. Right. I feel like that's when people get the most angry at me. Well, I think they do, but some of that's because they almost want you to fight back. But here's here's the, I guess the answer I'd have to that is, can you ever in your whole life remember having your mind changed because somebody yelled at you <laughs> or wrote you a really clever uh, flaming email? Like, no, it's <laughs> no. like you don't go, oh, you know, they're right. I, how clever that person. I think I'll change yeah. my mind. Yeah. We don't. That's not how we. And so people who think, well, this won't actually work, think about what persuades you to change your mind in mm-hmm. real life. Mm-hmm. And it's not some clever flaming remark. Mm-hmm. How do you remember your loved when there are so many <laughs> angry Because pe- like oh, half, yeah. you show up in a city, in a small yeah. town, and everybody shows up and it's a parade. And you show up at the next small town and they're screaming at you. You know, and that the, the danger of being in office is this, is people either you're the, you're the greatest thing in the world or you're pond scum. Yeah. You know, and they're the truth is you're you're neither. Um, so, again, that's where at the end of the day, two things. One, have people around you that you're working with mm-hmm. who um, are strong and reliable and remind you who you are. When, uh, our, one of the folks on my senior team every now and then would pull me aside after we'd had a discussion and say, hey, Bill, that's not you. Mm. And, and that was huge. So, and then second, to have that group of friends, accountability partners, whatever you yeah. want to call them, that have known you forever and I mean, they're they're glad that Annie Downs has become a you know a national name, et cetera. But they don't. If you weren't that, they don't. If you were yeah. teaching third grade, they'd be good with that. Too. Right. My friends are proud of my job. This just happens to be exactly. my job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and they don't they don't love you anymore because you have a name. Right. I I I think about that a lot because I think often all of us, if anybody's on the internet, they have a following yes. and they have the opportunity to say something that goes loud all of a sudden. Right. Uh, that's the reality of viral things that's happening to one of my friends right now. And she's like, the Wall Street Journal just called. What am I supposed to do? I right. don't even know what to do with this. Right. And um, and so I think having that circle, whether it's in your home, for me, it's here at the office too, where we wrestle down my bad behavior <laughs> before it gets public, right? <laughs> right Hopefully right. there's people right. up oh, close. Yeah. And I, and I think that, I mean, the reality, we, as you know, more than us, we live in a world where the perception around social media oh is is such a big deal. And unfortunately, in politics, you can decide, I can, I can, I'm going to be a social media star uh, rather than try to actually get something done. So yes. it's like, I'm going to. I'm going to play a, a senator on TV. I'm not really going to be one. <laughs> right, right. The loudest ones are not often there the ones go. that I feel like are getting the most work done. Right. You talk in the book about how y'all, you and Chrissy would have dinner parties yeah. at the governor's mansion. And, and but they weren't, people who came weren't allowed to talk about their bills. Right. They weren't allowed to talk about it, where they disagreed on. Right, right. I think so many of our friends want to have dinner parties with people who don't agree with each other. Yeah. But what kind of questions did y'all ask? What did you talk about? You no, know, I, th- I think two or three things. Um, we always say, I, I, I really, I'm one of these. I think if you get the relationships right, then other things tend to follow and work out after uh-huh. that. And so amazingly, you could have a lot of legislators who had served together for several years, but maybe they're in different parties from different parts of the state. They didn't really know each other. So they'd start telling their story and people would go, wow. You were a sergeant in the army. I didn't mm. know that. Or, mm. wow, you you know, you were raised by a single mother. So was I. I mean, you know, those stories start happening, and then people start to see each other really, really differently. Mm. And I, I do think bringing people together who disagree uh, is is really important. No matter what you do. Number one, start with figuring out who the other folks are, and then number mm. two. Ask questions that everybody has to weigh in on that aren't necessarily like, we're not going to start with, are you pro-life or pro-choice? Right, you know, we're going to start right. with, tell me how. During salad, let's talk yeah, about abortion. Exactly. Right? And then, you know, then we're going to move to, we're going to move to marriage issues, that, right. you know, during the main course. Right. Uh, so I, I think it's important to let, I think once people hear each other's stories, it's just really different. Yes. And then second, to try to find questions that, you know, I, that make, people realize like, okay, they're wrestling with some of the same things that uh-huh. I have done. Uh-huh. That's one of the things I love book clubs for. Yes. Is you just, everybody can sit and read Faithful Presence together and they may disagree on a lot of things, yeah. but they are coming together over one thing. You, you got it. And it's um, the, the, the nice thing about a book like, and being with other people is like, you go, wow, I, 
I would have, I could have read that book 10 times and never, yeah. that wouldn't have crossed my mind. Yeah. And that's sort of the benefit of community, right? That's why we, that's one of the nice things. Like I've got friends that like, okay, I certainly don't understand seeing the world that way, but I'm mm-hmm. glad you do. How did your desire to be a pastor help <laughs> out in all of these other jobs? Yeah, so I, mean, I kind of, one of the things I say in the book is I thought when I became the mayor or the governor, I'd be like the CEO of the city or the CEO of the gov- uh, of the s- state, but it really wasn't. It felt much more like being a pastor, not in the sense of I gave sermons in the you know downtown square, but in the sense of the relational nature of it and you're just, you end up involved in these very personal situations with people, you know, mm-hmm. the police officer who gets shot or, you know, the family who just lost somebody serving in, in Iraq or, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, hundreds of other situations that you realize this is, this is a relational job more than anything yeah. else. And uh, you're also having to make decisions that you realize are going to in affect people's lives. Are we they t- think uh, taking helping people who have disabled children in their family. Are we going to try to help more disabled children or help the disabled children we are now more? Mm. You know, I mean, those are Gosh. two different things. And right, uh. neither are good. Um, our children's services trying to go, they're going into homes and deciding, are we going to take this child away from that family? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's the most protective thing, but taking a child away from a family should never be an easy decision. But if you don't, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So, but if you don't, yeah. yeah. Wow. So I, I use all those to say um, that's where the, the the sense of sympathy and empathy of th- these are real people involved. That's a that's a mother or father that as much as 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 much as you say, how could they do this to this child? You have to realize, okay, there's a whole lot of things that led them to this point on that day. Right. Let's jump to your prayer life. Yeah. <laughs> Because the only way you make decisions of that size is with some rooting in prayer. What does your prayer life look like? Yeah, so um, I'm one of those folks that tries to set aside some time uh, every morning. I'd love to tell you it's you know it's it looks the same every morning, but it it doesn't. But it is. It's just it's a time for me to pray. Sometimes you know methodically about like okay i'm going to pray for this child and their family today etc mm-hmm. but a lot of times just with what's on my heart at that point mm-hmm. and you know again as governor you realize there's a lot of situations decisions that just aren't good. there's not a good answer mm-hmm. you're 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 not deciding between good and bad you're deciding between bad and worse sometimes yeah. and having to make those calls but i i do I mean, I, I found myself praying for wisdom in specific situations mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And uh, I, I think the other thing is you find yourself, you know, when you're in a public role of any kind, there just feels like there's a little more, um, uh, you're a little more at risk. You're more vulnerable. Yes. Because people are looking at you and everybody has an opinion. Right. And so trying to get past the anxiety that comes with that of what happens if this doesn't work out well? What mm-hmm. happens if I lose the election? Or what happens if I say something stupid in this situation, which, you know, I'm capable of doing it at any moment? Uh, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Or keep going. You keep, you know, you keep going. I mean, it's like I said, you have a public role and with yes. that comes a little added vulnerability and with that some anxiety. So trying mm-hmm. to like think, I don't want to live my life anxious about what could go wrong here. Right. Right. Hey friends, just taking a short break from this conversation to share with you about one of our incredible partners, Modern Fertility. Did you know that a simple finger prick can unlock tons of insight into your reproductive health? I'm talking egg counts, menopause timing, if your hormone levels indicate conditions like thyroid disorders or PCOS, all things that are good to know whether or not kids are in your future. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. When I did my test, it was super simple. I barely-ish felt it. And then I just dropped it in the mail with the prepaid label that they provided. It'll be that simple for you too. And then you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash that sounds fun, you can get $20 off your test. And if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can use those funds toward testing with Modern Fertility. 
You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what each hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids soon or maybe one day in the future, having this important information will definitely come in handy as you try to make the decisions that are best for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering my friends $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash that sounds fun. That means your test will cost $139 instead of hundreds or even thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash that sounds fun. Modernfertility.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to my conversation with Governor Bill Haslam. You have raised three really great kids. I I can speak yeah, truthfully. Yeah. I know all three of them. That's right. It's cool. Um, Will, Annie, and Lee. And a lot of our friends listening are in the process of raising kids. Yeah. I mean, you had to... Your kids were in high school, middle school and high school, when you ran for governor or when you ran for mayor? When I ran for mayor the first time, uh, Lee was in middle school, Annie was in high school, and Will was getting ready to go to college. Okay. Yeah. How... What's our, what are the tips? How do we raise great? I mean, all three of them are awesome. They, they are. They have a great mother. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that that, really, that awesome really, really too. helps. Yeah. You know, and I, let me tell. Let me start here. I, I know a lot of people who have, I think, were incredible parents, better parents than we are, and, and their kids have wandered off one yeah. way or another. So, I, I, let me. I, the first thing I'd say is, this, please, like, don't ever think. There's this formula. If we do it this way, it will work because it just doesn't. But is that true with each of the kids too? Were they, were they all raised a little bit differently? They were because yeah. they were all different. Yeah. And I think you know I could tell you more of the things that I did wrong. Like mm-hmm. I, it took me a long time to figure out. Like okay, these are all really different. They're different from each other, and they're different from me. You mm-hmm. know, their personalities are really different than mine. But I honestly think the whole uh, two or three things that there's no way to spend too much time with your kids, mm. you know, and, and those at family adventures. The second thing is we just always surrounded our kids with other adults who we wanted to be in their That's lives. Huge, yeah. And so maybe they were, you know, 21 year old college students, um, who we were very intent, uh, purposeful about who was going to babysit or keep them when we went away for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was our friends, but I think f- for our kids, a lot of them, they were like, well, I'm the only, you know, 12-year-old that's not getting to see R-rated movies. Right. So, well, maybe not. Let's see. You know, let's yeah. see if you're the only one that's right, not, right, right. you know. Uh, so I, I do think in the end it was that. And then some places, you know, you and I both share the uh, Lost Valley Ranch out in Colorado. So we went out there for a week every summer, and they were always around these. Uh, it, they thought they were grown-ups, but they were 22, 23, yes. 24-year-olds. Yes. Uh, but I can remember sometime, one time, we were sitting at a big table, and these 22-year-olds were having a conversation with our kids. And I, mm. Chris and I were looking at each other like, just keep your mouth shut and don't say a word. But one yeah. of them, one of the guys I can still remember said, you should always tr- treat the girls you date in a way so that if you're sitting next to their uh, groom-to-be at their rehearsal dinner, you're not embarrassed to sit next to him. Wow. And I thought, okay, that's good. Right. And I thought, but if I just said that, like, no, nah, it's not going to work, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I just, so I, I do think having other adults in their lives mm-hmm. is really, really important. Your daughter, Annie, mm-hmm. is one of the most hilarious women. <laughs> she, is. she makes y'all wear costumes all the time. All the time. I mean, how, was she just always like that? Annie grew up wanting to play pretend all the time. Yeah. And so literally she would, she was the child who would come down for breakfast in the morning dressed as some, you know, some, you know, I'm, I'm Wendy Myra, Angela Darling, you know, from <laughs> P- Peter Pan. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> but then the next day she'd be somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and I love, I, I don't have that creative brain that she does, but I love that she has it. I mean, her kids are the same way. They're her husband, same she way. married a guy who's way into it. I mean, yeah, but he's not, he wasn't really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like David is like really not that guy. <laughs> David is like, you know, I'm going to wear my, you know, yeah. my he's jeans. He's a lawyer, right? My, I, yeah, he's a, I'm going to wear my <laughs> jeans and my, you know, polo shirt, golf shirt, whatever. And, uh, and Annie's meanwhile is, I know we can dress up as, <laughs> Some of y'all's family pictures you'll post, you know, y'all are all just costumes. Exactly. Grandparent to grandchild. Exactly. We were pirates for Christmas. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, I think it is so (laughs) funny. Let's talk about Lost Valley Ranch for a minute. We talk about rest a lot around here and how you cannot work seven days a week. And we were built to rest and work from that place of rest. So even as a governor, even as a mayor, you're taking a week where there's no Wi-Fi service. And you're taking your family somewhere where you cannot be... Available. 
Why does that matter? I, I just think, for, listen, all of us are, I mean, I'm not saying anything new here, but we, we live in such a wired or, you know, or wireless world. Yeah. And we have so many things bombarding us all the time. And I, I, I look at it this way, like when I was a when I was governor, people always asked me, what do you think about this? What do you think about mm-hmm. that? The truth is I didn't know because I didn't have any time. I, my life was just wall to wall. I know more what I think now than I did then mm. because I have that time to reflect. Well, I think all of us would want to have lives that are full of reflection. Mm-hmm. And for us, that week or different things we do, that we do or that time to to separate, I mean, I always, like the whole idea of Sabbath, I always thought, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Well, we should do that, et cetera. Yeah. I never really got it, to be honest with you, until I was running for office. Because mm. then we, we literally would do something every night of the week, every day. We were somewhere across the state. and But we said, Sundays, we're going to be home. We're going to go to our church. We're going to go lunch with our friends, and we're going to hang out at home. And it home was Home being like, Nashville or Knoxville? Well, that was Knoxville at that okay. point, okay? okay. Uh, and it, it literally— be- I don't know, Oasis is, is too, is not a strong enough word. It became this wonderful resting place wow. that I never would have expected. And I kind of thought, ah, yeah, you're supposed to rest on Sabbath. Uh, but I, I didn't get it, get it until then. So you just drew those lines and you're like, hey, I'm sorry, but Sundays I'm because, at home because and at my church. The, the, if you're running for office, there's always somewhere good to be. I mean, mm-hmm. I always said, wherever two or three are gathered, I'll be there. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> if you're running for office. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a great line. I think so many of us have a hard time believing we can carve out a day. But if the governor can carve yeah, out a day, it's it, you, you just you really can't. And you're better. You really are better because mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I would I'd encourage folks to not just on in terms of taking Sabbath, but to have those other regular resting spots in your yeah. life. Like for us, it's been the ranch yeah. or you know going to the beach for a week. Um, but have those those resting spots. How'd y'all start going to the ranch? This is so crazy. We'd been to another ranch, uh, and it closed, and we loved it. But it was kind of fun. Like, we loved the whole idea of being away out in the middle of nowhere. Our yep. kids were little. And Chrissy and I make decisions real different. She's very thoughtful and researches everything. I'm like, that sounds good. Like, <laughs> I should, you have that sounds fun. I should be, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. And so somebody <laughs> mentioned this place to us, and I said, that sounds good. Yeah. And so— we're we're drive we're on our way we're driving from the airport out there and this ranch is in the middle of nowhere and Chrissy's going like Phil this is like a, you don't know anything this is like the craziest idea ever and we yeah. got there and it just it felt like home we met yeah. these people that we loved we ran into friend like your our friends the Nesbits who mm-hmm. we just uh, who we met there who have become become lifelong friends yes. and our more more than that our kids loved it and. Yes. I remember we were leaving, and Will, we, it's, you drive down this long driveway, and there was a guy, when we got back to the highway, this, this guy walking, and Will goes, you know, that guy doesn't realize that the coolest place in the whole world is right over that hill. Oh. You know, I'm, and he was like 10 or 11 at the time. <laughs> so I'm thinking, all right, sweet. we're coming back here. Yeah. <laughs> um, that shelf road you have to drive to get you there, You have though. to have some courage. <laughs> the first time I ever went, I drove myself. And yeah. as I was driving that, I was like, I'm never coming here again. This exactly. is the way. And I, now I go as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do not drive it. I'm like, Brooke, Tony, somebody. <laughs> somebody Nolan, come get me. Somebody pick me up. <laughs> if you want me, Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I love that. Nolan, get on a horse and come pick <laughs> me up because I am not driving that. I have found in the last couple of years the ranch to be a place. There's just something there that makes me rest yeah. and makes me have a lot of feelings, which only happens when I rest, because I move so fast the rest of my with, life. With you. I, I, and part of it is just the separateness of not, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can get your emails, but you got to work to do them. And yeah, there's, not, yeah. there's not a phone everywhere, and there's no TV. So part of it is that. And second, it's just, I think, I mean, it's true. We, I mean, create being surrounded by creation reminds us like, oh, yeah, there's a creator who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Do you and Chrissy still ride horses? You we do, riding? not as adventurously, as yeah. energetically as we used to, but I still do, yeah. <laughs> and when I go in the summers, I'll ride like once a day. I'm like, you yeah, know what? Yeah. I'm good. I'll go lay by the pool. <laughs> you talked about Nolan one time, the two of us are on horses, and we just inadvertently kind of start racing. And and I look over there, and I think like, I'm a 60-year-old man, and he's like, a, like he's 20-something. Like, what am I doing? But I can't stop. I can't be the one that right. stops. <laughs> we will not let Nolan win. Exactly. <laughs> You model so beautifully having a family and having a really important career, but making space for rest and God. And do you feel after you finished your two terms as governor, 
Were you exhausted? Were you energized? Did you do you feel like okay, I'm done now to the next thing? You know, that's such a that's a really really good question. We, we, I, I loved the job. You know, call, you know Frederick Beekner says calling is where your your greatest desires meet the world's needs, and it, it, to mm-hmm. me, it just like this is kind of what what calling felt like, and I loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. But also knew like eight years was the right amount of time. Yeah, uh, and we were tired. So Christy and I went on a vacation like two weeks after we got out, and yeah. literally we were like, we didn't we didn't realize how tired we yeah. were. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's the one thing I can say, it was the right, it was so much the right thing for us to do. But also, you know, there's a time for everything and a season for every purpose under the sun. And and that eight years was the right time to do that. Yeah. So the book comes out. What happens next? I won't ask you again about president, but what happens next? What do you do? You know, it's interesting. I, I have a life that's full of a lot of other things from... Uh, speaking from doing some business things, lots of boards. I'm still involved in a lot of education issues. I really, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not dodging your question. I really don't know. I, I mean, I don't, you know, have my, you were talking about you have a lot of younger listeners who are trying to like, I, I'd like to have a plan for my life. I'm, I have a sense of these are the things that my heart's pulled to, mm-hmm. toward and these are not. And some things that like that, this sounds interesting, mm-hmm. but you know, have to, some of those are things that God would have to open the door and we'll yeah. see if he does. Yeah. And if he doesn't, I'm good. Every, every now and then Christy says, Bill, you can't be like that kid in the front row of class who keeps raising his hand. And <laughs> the teacher goes, I've already called on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can. Well, I think you can yeah, if you can. want to. That's right. So we'll um, see. I, I just think it's a, it's a real testament to seeing a faithful man in a leadership position. I think that's what people are going to love about Faithful Presence and reading this is we don't get a lot of inside stories like this. Yeah. Well, I, I think here's, here's what I want to encourage is I, I do want people to read this to have some sense of what our role in the public square. But also, mm-hmm. I, I love the idea of Faithful Presence no matter what you're doing. And people are yeah. like, I think a lot of Christians are worried like the culture seems to be going against us. Things are changing. And, you know, I used to feel like we were on the home team and now we're the visiting team. Yeah. Uh, but I would encourage people instead of being fearful about that to say, well, how do I how do I be a faithful presence where I am right now? Mm-hmm. Whether I'm hosting a podcast or I'm teaching third grade or I'm the governor or I'm a sales rep or mm-hmm. fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the world's dying to see what a faithful presence can look like that um, is humble mm-hmm. uh, and yet purposeful. I think the, other, the last, th- last thing I'll say about this, we have all people understand that there's, we need justice and mercy. Yeah. You know, and yes. we get that. We've kind of, we've got a God who modeled doing justice and mercy mm-hmm, at the same time mm-hmm. and truth and love at the same time. And there's a world that kind of bounces back and forth like, no, we need justice or no, we need mercy. And mm-hmm. we're like, no, we need both. We, we want justice. We want, we want the bad guys to get caught, yeah. but we know we need mercy ourselves. And, and I think, what I'd encourage your listeners to do is think about how do you have be a faithful presence by being a person of justice and mercy at the same time? It feels like one of the hardest things to do. It's really hard. I, I, it, it feels like a, I know it isn't because this isn't how God works, but it feels like a tightrope. <laughs> well, I, I thought I could do it. Like I said, one of the powers a, a governor has is to pardon people or to grant clemency. And he thought, I, I can figure that out. I'll look at the case. I'll look at Annie yeah. Downs and what she did 20 years ago. I can, I can figure that out. And you realize it's really hard to do, to be both. Like part of me, like the merciful part, like yeah, let's, let's let her out. But the justice part goes well. There's some victims involved. I mean, so yeah. getting both of those right is really hard. But I do think it's what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. And the verse says, "What do you know the verse by heart? I don't. The act act justly, love mercy, love walk, mercy, walk humbly, walk humbly. That might be that might be the call of our lives. I actually, I I think it is. I mean, if you we. Somebody had given me that verse and put it, and we put it up in the the break room in the governor's office. That wow. act justly, love mercy, walk on behalf. Okay, if we can do that again, no matter what we're doing, do those three things. It's a good day. Yes. Um, thank you for writing this. Book no, thanks for having and me. For doing this. Is there any question? Is is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover? Oh, you hit most of. Yeah, I, th- I think you're. I think you've talked about most of it. Um, hmm. Okay, I just like sometimes yeah. people like I have a musician on, and I'll say anything else. They're like, "Well, I'm going on tour tomorrow," and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> there we go." Like me to there tell we people yeah, that yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last question we always ask yeah. Governor Haslam is. 
because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell yeah. me what sounds fun to you. Yeah. F- first of all, I thought that sounds fun. Nobody in the history of the world ever thought, oh, let's talk about religion and politics. <laughs> Nobody in the, the whole world said, that sounds fun. Okay. So I need to come up. Uh, that sounds fun to me. I love if you said you and Chrissy can go on a long walk on the beach together, it's going to be 80 degrees and you can just walk for a long time and talk like that sounds fun. Or yeah. we have cousin camp every year. We have 10 grandkids. And if you're potty trained, you get to come. Oh my gosh, that's the only you got to be potty trained. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we do that for three nights and everybody comes and spends the night and oh it's, uh, we swim and hunt for turtles and play all that. So that's 10 of them. Really fun. Yeah. And you then, and Chrissy with 10 no, of them. Well, only, you got to be potty trained. So oh, we yeah. only have eight there okay, right eight, now. Eight right now. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> we're trying to figure out we're going to do when we really do have 10. But that, it really is, it's exhausting fun. But that's, but that is we exhausting. Do they go to sleep? Oh, yeah, they do. Okay. Mainly because they're so, they wear each other out. Oh, yeah. That, I guess that is true. With that number, they're they just wear playing each other together. Out, yeah. And Chrissy can be very firm at night. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Annie, that's your bed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, you know, I thought of one more thing I want to know. Favorite meal in Nashville. Where do you love to eat? You know, Where does the governor I, it's want to an eat? easy Arnold's. Arnold's? Eight. Yes. Really? On oh, yeah. driver's driving, diner's driving. Uh, it might dives. be. Yeah, but Arnold's yeah. is, uh, you know, it's a cafeteria style, and incredible chocolate pie. There's all, it just, I just love the whole vibe of the place too. Yes. It's just really fun. Okay. I've got, we need to take the team there. I have not oh, no, been, it's great. in oh, the it's 13 great. years I've lived here, oh, I've never eaten there. Oh, that, wow. I know. That's I like, that might be a misdemeanor or something. <laughs> I know, I That's like embarrassing. Pardon me, please. That's Pardon. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for doing this, Bill. I'm really, really no, thankful. No, loved it. Loved it. Thanks. It's, it's really fun. I've had fun listening to your podcast. Thank you. Hearing you speak other places too. Thank so thanks. Thank you. Oh, friends, don't you just love him? My gracious, I'm so thankful for Governor Haslam and for his wise words. Make sure you grab a copy of his new book called Faithful Presence, The Promise and Peril of Faith in the Public Square. And go follow him so you can tell him thanks for being on the show today. And weren't you proud of me for being a hard-hitting journalist? and asking twice if he's going to run for president. We will see, friends. We will see. And be sure you've gotten your tickets for the That Sounds Fun podcast tour. Comedy, fun coaching, a live podcast recording with surprise guests each night. I cannot wait to see y'all. It's going to be the absolute best, and it's coming up so soon, so go grab those tickets. AnnieFDowns.com slash events. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I'm Annie F. Downs, TSF, like that sounds fun, on YouTube. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you back here on Monday with my friend and Enneagram coach, Haley Watkins. You know what that means, right? We are kicking off Ennea Summer 2021, and you are going to absolutely love the conversations we have coming at you this year. Y'all aren't even ready. They're so good. So we will see you then. Y'all have a good weekend.